All right, we're rolling in three, two, one. Movie time. Movie time. time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Time Extra. It's the show where we review movies with a little something extra. I am your producer, your editor. I am Schrodinger's co-host. My name is Dashiell Marco. And I am your amateur researcher, thematic analyst, and flatulent corpse, Tyler Duncan. Now today we are watching Swiss Army Man. This is a 2016 film. It was directed by Daniels. Uh, that is Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, respectively. And this film was written by Daniels. If you enjoy our show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us and at us. Make sure to tell a friend. Send us an email, nice or otherwise, at movietimeextra at gmail.com. Tell us what you think is a little bit extra. And lastly, our banging theme song is by the amazing DJ Cutman. Check him out on his band camp for solid bangers and bops. We love you, Cutman. Even more lastly, PSS. There will be spoilers in this show. If you don't like that, just embrace embrace it. Yeah, change yourself. Yeah. What would the Dalai Lama do? What's wrong with you? You wouldn't bitch about spoilers. Deepak Chopra that shit. Tyler? Dash? What the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> uh, you watched the best movie of 2016. Holy fuck. This was a weird movie. This was Tyler's pick. I hadn't <laughs> seen it. Tyler, they hadn't seen it before. <laughs> this movie is a journey of sorts. This movie is about a man, presumably, uh, cast away on an island However, his Wilson is Daniel Radcliffe's not quite bloating corpse, um, who he, I guess, uses to survive. Uh, he, it's yeah, it's his Wilson, and this movie, this movie is Castaway, like on, like LSD and cough syrup. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is um, if Tom Hanks' character was just DJ Robo Dexon the whole time. Uh, that was my takeaway from <laughs> this movie. <laughs> like, what, you know, like everyone remembers Castaway, I think, you know, of our age group where, you know, or late, I'm almost 30 and you're early 30s. Yeah. Right? Uh, late you know, to this. mid millennial, or sorry, early to mid millennials. You know Castaway. Yeah. You saw Castaway. Yeah, Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, I think, attempted to be that level two Castaway, but I don't know. Like, er, anyone, I, I've talked to, I mean, it's COVID 19, 2020 mm-hmm. world, so I haven't been able to talk to like that many people about this movie just due to like you know fuck everybody but you mm-hmm. not hanging out with anybody 
Um, but the few people that I have talked to haven't seen this movie, um, and I hadn't heard of it before you recommended it to me. Um, how the fuck did they get Daniel Radcliffe for this role is, like, one of my main questions. Mm-hmm. But I might be getting a little ahead of myself here. Um, I have a few minutes worth of material, and Tyler is going to uh, take the the beef on this I one. Can take point. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so to start out with, I don't know how necessarily they got Dan Radcliffe for this. What I do know about Daniel Radcliffe as an adult actor is that he loves doing weird shit apparently <laughs> yeah so he uh one of the one of the things he did um during the la like the very tail end of his harry potter years was this uh this really really intense play called equis um it's like a serious like psychosexual like drama and he, horse and latin yes he yeah. plays a, the main character is um a young man who is caught fucking horses great yeah yeah and it's just like about that uh so he likes weird he likes bonkers weird shit Uh, i'm like i kind of developed a new found appreciation for daniel radcliffe in watching this movie absolutely uh another fun fact about daniel radcliffe daniel radcliffe has dyspraxia uh, which is a, he has a very mild version of it. Uh, so he is like a working disabled actor. What is dyspraxia? Um, it's a like motor condition. So uh, he sometimes has trouble like coordinating. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And so that is what is so like cool about this movie to me. When I saw it, I didn't know that because uh, I, I saw it in the theater. It was a very limited release. Not a lot of people saw it, I guess. But uh, <laughs> he is like in my opinion, the MVP of this movie for physicality. Like, he sells every uncomfortable position, every gross way his character is used, and it's just this cringe-inducing joy to watch. Um, But yeah, yeah, Radcliffe all the way. Love him in this. This movie is fucking bizarre. I Okay, I have a couple of sound bites that... I'm going to play, and that's literally all the work I did for this episode. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed just in this first, I think, 10 minutes of the movie is where I got both of these sound clips from. And it kind of gives you an idea of what's going on here for the listener that hasn't seen this. Mm-hmm. We're we're not going to attempt to do any recap of this movie. This movie we wouldn't be able to do it justice. Like if this is interesting to you and you haven't seen this movie, you just have to watch it because I have a tiny overview, but yeah, yeah, you can't go. We'll get, you know, we'll get wherever you want to go here, but you know, you, we like, there's nothing we can say that it's going to create the experience that watching this movie makes for you. Nope. But as I was hanging up there, I didn't really see much of anything. I did see you. And I know, I know it sounds dumb, but I, I really thought for a moment that, that maybe, just maybe, there was a reason that you. Yeah, so that's a lot of what this movie is. Um, I really enjoyed this other scene, too, that kind of gives it's him, I think, just yelling at 
the beach around him. Like, what's going on? I don't think he's really, like, actually talking to anyone right here. Oh, my name is Hank Thompson. And I've been stranded out on an island in the Pacific all alone. And this man, this man saved me from the brink of death when he allowed me to ride him like a jet ski repelled by his his flatulence is, he you know, what, yeah, he, he can't he, even he's, say he's it. hearing what he's saying yeah. at this point. So, you know, if you don't want spoilers for this movie, that's about all you need to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but this goes haywire pretty quickly. Like near immediately. Yeah. That's all I got. This is all you, Tyler. All right. So, Dash, well, after we watched the movie, you said you're going to. I'm getting stoked. You're going to explain this to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm getting high right and now. And Dash is going to get high because, yeah, why not? Of course. And I'm going to probably get a contact high. I need to be high for my for my brain to parse this information right now. So, okay. Un- All right. un- unpack it for me. Okay. This movie is strange. This movie is a magical realist buddy buddy movie. It's an exercise in splicing slapstick with the macabre. <laughs> it involves a love triangle consisting of a dead man, a suicidal, psychotically depressed man, and the woman the living man has been stalking. Who has no idea he exists. It's a story about being yourself, for better or worse. It is, at its gnarled core, a love story. <laughs> to a broader degree... It is a treatise on the loneliness of modern society, toxic masculinity, and mental health. Also, there's farts. A lot of farting. It's like the premise of the film, uh, essentially. Uh, And I'm really glad you played those clips because it really, uh, you know, the only other person who's like really heavily featured in the film is Paul Dano's character. And Paul Dano really is the MVP emotionally and who, in the film. Who, who is he? He's Hank. Paul Dano's Hank. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah. for the for 90% of this movie, it's those two characters. It's, them. it's like, just them. I really like movies like that. I love that minimalist aspect of it. Um, I'm not going to start talking about the end of the movie right now, but I kind of wish it had just been them, those two, but it, it's... It does itself its own merits by opening up at the end too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I but would we'll, agree with but that. we'll get there probably a little later. Anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to like highlight how much psychological weight he pulls in this film. Yeah, I think that was a good just kind of tie-in of all the different themes there because my brain was kind of stuck in like what the fuck mode <laughs> the entire time and it's like I'm sure that there are underlying themes here but this movie is so fucking weird that's all I can think about <laughs> well when you when you get into the the parts of the movie where um, Manny starts quote unquote coming back to life you kind of get a broader picture of who Hank is um, and it starts to get kind of scurry yeah, because uh, as Manny comes to life, he is kind of the sum of the things that Hank is teaching him about what humanity is kind of supposed to be from his kind of skewed perspective, even though he's trying his best 
to like explain things like you made to a child. In my notes, I have Manny is Hank's rapidly decaying Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I don't know uh, what kind of tear I was on when I wrote yeah, that. That's but a hell of a note right there. I need there. more of that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah uh, Hank is teaching Manny about life, quote unquote life, like to... Uh, help him come back to life they think that if they can get manny to remember his life he will stop being dead yeah. and again just to clarify manny is played by daniel radcliffe who is a dead body that fred finds on the beach as i don't think we actually said it but you know trigger warning he's getting ready to hang himself he sees a body on the beach um he's like hey man he gets down and then you know ends up riding Daniel Radcliffe's body away like a jet ski propelled by his farts. And then they venture into the woods to find humanity. So that's like, I, I don't know if we summed it up like that. That's but pretty like, well. Just yeah. for the listener that has no idea what the fuck is going on right now that I think we're talking about their journey at this point. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so they, they end up on this beach and they're trying to get through the woods to get back to humanity. They're just trying to get to like a town or a city or someone who can help them. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't trying to go down and in, down into recap <laughs> mode. I was just but like making sure that along you know, the way, it's those two names, Fred yeah. and Manny. No, it's Hank. Or, sorry, sorry, Hank yeah. and Manny. Oh my gosh, <laughs> jeez. Maybe you shouldn't be stoned. I'm, I'm fired from the podcast. Yeah, I'll come and get. <laughs> I'm gonna get uh, Travis McElroy after you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Travis, please. <laughs> but um. So as they're get, as they're going through the woods, they're uh, they're recapping what life is, and you kind of realize that the life Hank knows is predominantly restrained and pretty fucking unhappy. Yeah, you don't really learn all that much about him. I feel like other than like he's like kind of a loner and a recluse. It's established, I think, pretty early that he sits on the bus and kind of fantasizes about this other woman sitting on the bus like mm -hmm. not in a really i mean in a creepy way because of what it is but also like he does kind of seem a little bit innocent himself because of his own like i don't know inability to even process any of this from what we can tell within the context of this movie until he's like talking to a fucking dead body yeah 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 it's <laughs> like there's there's no stakes for him yeah technically because manny's dead so he can just do whatever <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but he does have like some responsibility he feels to like help manny uh but then as we learn about him uh you know he's a deeply unwell man with uh an attachment style that kind of makes my skin crawl yeah and <laughs> uh the audience proxy is manny when it comes to Hank's story. Uh, and the world of the movie is Hank's frankly dysfunctional upbringing and beliefs. So, you know, he... But that's talking about what you know after you've watched the entire movie. Yeah, right? yeah. Cause the... Well, as they're in the woods. Yeah. You're kind of getting that more and more. <clears throat> totally. I didn't take, like, notes on his, like, mental date that much like during the course of the movie i can't remember if there are any instances of him kind of like really like he's obviously being a creep 
on this lady that on he lady. is yeah. like, but he's also just like kind of staring at her and nervous to even say hi or talk to her in any way, you know, and not that like, you know, obviously, but I, but I'm, help me remember if I'm forgetting. Well, he takes a picture of her. And okay. Yeah. That's, somehow, that's not good. You don't do that. He then finds her Instagram. Okay, cool. Sorry. I forgot those yeah. things. No, no worries. Um, and so, uh, he is, you know, kind of. Excuse me. Uh, web stalking her, and he knows that she is happily married. She's partnered and oh, has a she, kid. Okay, cool. I either forgot or maybe didn't just catch that. And and also just a quick note for our listeners: we listen to our movies two weeks before we were, or a week before we record. And we watch another yeah, so movie. sometimes details get fuzzy for us. Yeah, yeah. We we're we're a thematic review podcast. Yeah, we're not. We ain't trying to just tell you the story of a movie. Uh, Unless I'm doing that compulsively like in Hereditary and Midsummer, because I took <laughs> way too many notes. We couldn't not with those movies. They're, they're so not. good. Yeah. I want you to talk about every fucking scene in those movies. and the, like, But this, this movie feels like one long scene in a lot of ways. And that's something I really appreciated about this movie too. Like the, the way that this movie kind of makes you feel stranded is really interesting to me. I'm like kind of going on my own tangent now, no, but do like it. it's cool. Like you, you know, you get this castaway vibe at the beginning as they're on the shore and as they move into, you know, the forest or woods, as we learn later, you know, it like feels really claustrophobic um, in a way that I think is really interesting giving like the ultimate outcome of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely can get that claustrophobia vibe. Uh and that might, that might be like a mental theme or like maybe an analogy to his mental state too where he's he is like, in. yeah, he's like secluding himself from the rest of society and just doing it with what little space he has around him. I like that. I like that maybe, interpretation. Is, maybe that's a thing. No, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Shit, I'm dog. Shrugging. I'm shr- shrug. Shrug, shrug. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, so as... Like talking about that, um, he has mommy and daddy issues. His mom died when he was pretty young, and his dad didn't really process the mom's death and didn't really help him process the mom's death. And uh, he's got all kinds of stuff going on, and those issues have made his life kind of lonely over the years. Uh, he f- is fixated on a lady that he sees on the bus and is, you know. Kind of, despite knowing that she is happily married and has a kid and all of that, he's kind of fixated on her and he perceives her as the quote unquote one, which is something that. (sighs) And I forgot just how, how stalkery he was being in there I, I apologize no 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 but you know that's like yeah that's but, like the, that complex i think is important to this extremely obviously it's yeah and like the one trope like even in real life i just can't i can't stand it i, I and and i you know hey big ups if you would if you think that there's like one person in the world that you are meant to be with um like do your thing but i it's a total fucking trope too think that that can be really spun to be like unhealthy and gross and i kind of feel like our society needs to move away from it because totally it I, you know puts the... a lot of pressure on people to like stay together when they shouldn't or i don't know like and it puts a lot of pressure on single people to like find someone 
What's wrong well, with you? Not just someone. Fine, the one. The one. It's, yeah, it's, it's got to be that perfect person. It's even. It's even almost a spin on the chosen one trope. It's like oh, the you know the yeah. soulmate and and to me that trope being perpetuated in society is probably like. A, I think it is becoming a little bit antiquated right now, even mm -hmm. like because it is kind of just like a kind of weak and silly idea that it's like, oh, there's one single person out of now, like almost eight billion people that you're meant to be with. It's like, no, like humans are actually more compatible than that for the most part. Um, but it ties into like just our material living and always wanting things that you can't have potentially, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've I read a couple of things that talks about the materialism of like Hank's character and how he was looking more at like, we'll have an apartment and we'll do these things together. But they're all very like status assembly. They're not necessarily like emotionally based. It's it's more of just like, I will have a girlfriend and she will love me and we will watch Netflix that we pay for. And yeah. Like, yeah. And get it. And you know and even just you saying that like mentioning like the netflix and blah 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 like it is and this is where i am not like i'm qualified to i'm not qualified to like speak on like mental health or how any of that stuff works but you are kind of made to sympathize with him and i do kind of sympathize with people that want those things same um but can't have them you know like because like obviously people should have comfort and relative comfort. Like again, us, you know, being like, I'm not going to say like, how do I say our like uh, political affiliation without sounding stupid, you know, like we're leftist. I, I, I just, leftist? I hate leftists, but like we're like, I don't know if okay. that describes got, me well enough yeah. either here. So again, we come upon this, uh, like another theme that begs the question of our political affiliation. We are pretty ultra hyper leftists. Like we are very far left of what normal leftists is by like most people's standards. Yeah, but... the Overton window has not gotten over to us just quite yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we are, you know, we we were like gay space communists. I assume. Yeah, you know, post scarcity. You could say, um. People should have food. They should have water. They should have, you know, healthcare. Healthcare. They should like mental, you know, healthcare is obviously as well falls into that and into this movie and what this person should, you know, have access to. Like they should have somewhere to live. They shouldn't it, like having an apartment. Living in an apartment shouldn't be anyone's like fucking dream, <laughs> you know. And but but it is a reality for so many people because of the world that we live in, and that's fucked. So that, so that's why I'm saying I, I kind of can sympathize with those elements of it because it's like he's obviously being a stalker and he's being a creep and he's being weird and he's fucked. But like maybe that's one of the questions the movie is asking is like how do you address that when, you know, I don't know. Like I, I don't know the answers to these questions per se. Um, but, you know, I'm like like this – for it being a movie with just two people in it, it's like I do think that like every aspect of his background and story is like really important to what we're talking about, obviously, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a really good Esquire article that I read. Um, it's called The Romantic, The Bromantic Comedy Finally Grows Up. And it's by Manuel Betancourt. 
and uh, Manuel in his article talks about how this movie is it has so many similarities to like the like Apatow genre of like male centered comedies and like buddy comedies but it actually does the legwork of getting into like what is wrong with those people kind of thing it's like yeah these like sensitive bros that are usually played by Seth Rogen uh, <laughs> or whatever yeah uh, but you know he's actually he actually is put face to face with himself essentially in these woods and is made to like conquer some of it maybe uh or at the very least like start to address it which i thought was really interesting um yeah i'm really confused as to what like the message that the directors were trying to get across was like in the end which you know i'm hoping you can explain to me uh, in detail (laughs) uh, hey really come on you should have done your homework i did (laughs) there's not a lot that i could find um like qu- quotes from them so much in the in the time frame that I had uh, to research for this one. Uh, sorry, Dash. That's okay. I'm, um, you know. But another thing that is pointed out in this article is that um, this is this movie's gay as hell. Yeah. Uh, and they do a really good job of not skirting around that so much the way they do in some of the buddy comedies. Again, the uh, the way he describes it, them are Apatovian buddy buddy comedies. But um, I probably haven't. I've. I can't even recall a buddy comedy that I've seen. So I know, Sam. Like yeah, it's been so long since I've seen Superbad, even. But you know, there's a lot of like gay jokes and and shit like See, that. Was that the movie why I got called McLovin when yes, I was it like is. 15? Oh my yes, god! Yes, it is. And I'm really sorry if I ever called you McLovin when you were 15 and I was like 19. And I should have known better. That's really mean. Uh, I, I could just walk into kegger parties uh, by UC and. Uh, and just scream McLovin and get free beer. Yeah, all so d- all that, night. That was a nice little sixteen-year-old dash <laughs> perk. <laughs> so I, I don't I, think you look yeah. like him at all. Well, I had and short hair. Well, I had like... short hair. No, now you know, I haven't. Hair. I haven't cut my hair since Superbad came out. That is true. You've been growing your hair a long time. Because of that fucking. You movie. guys can't <laughs> see it, but uh, Dash's hair is very long and luscious. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I so digress. I like this. I liked the, that um, that article because it did talk about like some of the like overt queerness in the film and how it doesn't really shy away from it. Um, I really found that side of the the movie really like cute. Like I like, right? and I do. I think um, I keep spacing on his name. Um, Mark. Hank. Hank. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Yet. Whatever. Marank. Frank, <laughs> Hank. His name's Hank. I can't remember the actor's name either. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Paul. Paul Dano. Paul Dano. I'm just gonna. Keep, I'm gonna keep calling him random <laughs> names. Do and it. Now yes. I'm gonna call the body Daniel Radcliffe. I will keep up. Um, no, I found that I. I actually thought that he, like, I'm not trying to get ahead or I don't know. I we we didn't review notes before this. I was like, I want to go in blind, but I you know found this movie really coming into stride of itself you know about an hour in where they're doing uh the montage scenes and stuff and his quality of life as a you know guy living in the woods like becomes more and more livable and he starts to clean himself up you know and he's cross-dressing playing the woman that he's you know uh been stalking but he starts to look better and better and you know he 
he he has like a cute look going for himself at the end, I think. You yeah. Know, for being a, a stalker crossdresser, but you know he ends up looking cute. He's the happiest he's ever been, probably in those woods with that dead man. Yeah. Uh, than he would be in the city on the bus, dreamily looking at a woman he can't touch. Um, but he can be the woman that he can't touch. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Yeah, there's like, a lot of there's a lot that goes into that. Huh? See, like we could probably Ooh. just talk about how the fuck to talk about this for an hour, which I guess yeah. is what we're gonna end up doing. But like, depending on your notes, but <laughs> like, this is why I could not make notes for this movie because it is so bizarre. No, it was it's impossible for me to organize this. Like, I'm having to go back and forth in my in my my document because it's like I didn't know how to format this. <laughs> This movie's barely formatted. Let's uh, play the clip that you that you wanted to grab, if you want to talk about that. Oh, you want to talk about the music? The, yeah, the montage scene right here. Oh it's my god! Nice. Oh, this. These woods look gorgeous too. Like this movie's really pretty for what it is. He's using Daniel Radcliffe's body like a, a slingshot. And He's the lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics to this song are just explaining their journey. It's <laughs> talking about how they're using Manny's body and what they're doing. That's right, because it had a kind of like flight of the Concordsy vibe to it, mm-hmm. right? Like. It's just fucking bonkers. <laughs> Uses his arm as an axe. There's a lot of like perpetual motion fun and like uh, inertia mm-hmm. driven physical comedy uh, that's just really entertaining. Yeah, like using his rigor mortis so that they can chop wood. <laughs> yeah. And his uh, his compass boner. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about the boners yeah. yet. I forgot about turned yeah, down you forgot for about what? The boners. Oh wow. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh so the the reason I wanted to show that clip is the the music in this film is just brilliant. It's pretty good. It's Andy Hull and Robert McDowell of the indie band Manchester Orchestra. Cool. I think and I've heard of them. They provide this super vocal heavy score. And it mimics the songs and the tunes the actors are singing. Um, yeah, he's like humming to himself, <clears throat> like from the first three seconds of the movie. When yeah, he's... he starts singing Cotton Eye Joe and he's mad at himself <laughs> that that's the, mo- the song that's stuck in his head in isolation. <laughs> um, and I like that there's like, they use pretty pretty sparing uh, instrumentation, except for in this this montage song. Um, yeah, the scene was really loud. I remember. Yeah, 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 and it is. It is. It's in this instance. I think it's appropriate because it's such a. Tr- it's triumphant. It's that showing them surviving and like working together. Yeah, and then um, you're out of the you know first phase of the movie where he's just struggling to survive, and it's not. It does not have that feel to it at yeah. all from into that point of the movie. Yeah, 
and like I almost was like, well, yeah, maybe they should have used an all acapella score. But then I realized that that would have been way too on the nose, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that the the music is acoustic enough that it makes sense, but it's not like completely. They're not trying to make it completely diegetic. Um, and so the score was actually written and produced before principal shooting even started. Nice. Because, and that's super duper rare, but in this case, they had to do that so that Dano and Radcliffe would know what to start singing. Oh, so I that see. the score could then like take over. That's cool. Like it's I, so cool. I kind of would have liked to have known that before watching the movie. I think you mentioned that the acapella, um, like theme was going to be a thing, but I like I enjoyed the soundtrack here but it, it was also just like just slightly more upbeat than i don't know than i was expecting for a macabre movie mm-hmm. um i think that the soundtrack did kind of clash with some of the themes in a weird way but that's probably my only critique but that almost feels like the point of this movie is to just subvert your expectations over and over and over again yeah until you're so tired and you don't know what's going on <laughs> Yeah, and it, it the <laughs> the music is really good in those action shots too, and they're like and for like the cutscene, right there, it's like just very loud and obnoxiously happy and like in your face. But that's kind of the the point there. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe uh, was quoted. Yeah, how much did he get paid to do this? Like, I don't know. Did you look into the budget of this I, film? I didn't. I was. I was thinking that you might, but no. th- this had to, well, I don't know, like, because this movie's really well shot and produced, for sure. Mm-hmm. No, I, no shit, I can talk on, like, the cinematography or anything like that. The, uh, well, the only one thing was at the very end when they did the same exact scenes cutting of what he had, like, built. Mm. Uh, that was the only thing where I was like, yeah, I remember I you when, didn't like that. I yeah. Was like, I hate when they show the exact same shot, like, for uh, cut back, but Aside from that, like it, like go- like gorgeously shot. Oh yeah, and the the stuff that they build in this movie is really cool. Yeah, it's got this like Pee Wee's Playhouse, Michelle Gondry vibe going. Yeah. Like yeah, uh, they re- they really build their own little world in the woods, uh, and it's really fun to see. This is cool. According to Google, when you type in Swiss Army Man budget, three million USD comes up, which is nothing. Yeah, that's, that's that's nothing to make a movie. That's like, like Radcliffe did it for free. That's cameras. Yeah, like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Wow, that's dirt cheap for a movie. Like, we can cut this later if it's bad. But just for reference, because I like now that we're talking about three million dollars is not a lot of money. I'm mm-hmm. like, let's just see. Let's see what the last few movies costed. Because oh yeah, I think Blade Runner's probably in at least the twenty or thirty range. I would say, I would say more than Ooh, that. This is our new mini segment. Price is right let's, rules. Let's do I this. Say, I, I say like fifty million. We we're gonna come up with a good name for this segment. Yes, uh, but let's make it a point to not look up the cost. The production cost of these movies, and then let's uh, occasionally try to guess them on your. Send us an email and let us know how you like this. Yeah, this yeah, this little go. segment. 
but yeah, like three million dollars. You think about it, you think Daniel Radcliffe he did the fucking first three Lord of the Rings movies, right? Or was no, he, he just he was the Hobbit? Harry Potter. Wait, oh shit, yeah, he was Harry Potter. Okay, he is not for Elijah some... Wood. Okay, <laughs> I confused him with Elijah Wood. Thank it's you. It's easy to do. Yeah. They look somewhat similar. When I get, I, I that's gonna be my my thing is when I occasionally get stoned while we're recording, I'm just gonna forget everyone's fucking name and You're confuse just gonna call every everyone actor. Elijah Wood. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a actor roulette when I get high. Um, okay, we're gonna look up uh, Blade Runner 2049's budget. Would you say 50? I say 50. I say 35. Okay, Price it, is it, Right it, rules. It could totally be like 100. Price is Right rules, but. Me. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that you're probably right, but but who knows? Type it in. I'm I'm excited. It's on the site. 150 to 185 million. Well, that's that's box office. Production budget budget. It says the 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 film was a box office disappointment, grossing 260 million worldwide against a production budget between 150 and well, 185 million. Where does it say budget on the on the sidebar here on the right? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we were both okay. astronomically off. Yeah. Wow. I, which shows, I mean, I technically win because Price is Right. But this is how we're gonna learn about this. And yeah, and Fuck. like because that movie is. Wow, it, like I just thinking about how it looks like makes my head spin. Also, um, think about how they had to render Joy. She's consistently always slightly transparent. Yeah, and you just don't even think about how much that must have cost. Let's do one yeah. more. I think. Well, let's do Hereditary and Midsummer real quick, if you want. Yeah, please. I think that Hereditary is probably. I'm gonna stick with thirty-five. I'm, I'm gonna say gonna, thirty-five, and ooh. then I'm gonna say Hereditary double that okay so you think 70 for hereditary yeah and then 35 for midsummer yeah i think it is 20 for hereditary and 10 for midsummer really you think it costs less yeah no way and ari aster is a low budget dude oh yeah hereditary 10 million oh i overestimated even for hereditary but I think Midsummer is going to be more. Ten mil. Oh yeah, lost nine mil. That's Are you cool. kidding me? Yeah, like that's really cool. You know, you think about it. The this like, but the set work on Hereditary, all those little fucking models. I mean, I guess that's like one of the most intricate things in the movie is those little tiny models that she's making. Yeah, but, but they have like a but they have a, they have like practical effects too as w and like some some digital stuff in hereditary yeah. it kind of surprises me now that i'm really thinking about it that they got it done with 20 million i was going low because price is right rules uh <laughs> and i was expecting closer well, to I 30 was, i thought it was 10 and 9 yeah that's what i'm saying oh okay you mean both of them yeah under 20 like yeah, yeah and i guess we're, we're, ta both we're under talking 20. about this this segment's going to be called arbitrary numbers <laughs> or like how many <laughs> what was the snack tray like every day at <laughs> yes, the studio yes, you craft know. services um, talk uh, <laughs> yes but you know this is a good it's a good I, I don't know let us know if this is a dumb segment but like it's weird when you think about sums of money that large but for those two movies like those two movies are just shot amazingly and maybe oh. the maybe the moral of the story here is you don't have to spend a fuck ton of money for good like cinematography but you would think, you know, an actor like Daniel Radcliffe would cost a little more. 
with the the movie costing you know what two or three million or whatever it said i honestly think that he a is a weird dude who has cool taste in things and then mm-hmm. b is really like at that point if you think he's really trying to because uh, it's what four years ago he's still trying yeah. to shank that harry potter stank <laughs> off i could see that and he must be loaded from that shit too he so is. he's like fuck it i'll just do some weird shit all of the people who were kids in those movies ended up being very rich from those movies and so they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want like rupert Crint, i guess bought like an ice cream truck when he was a kid and he just had an <laughs> ice cream truck full of ice cream because he wanted it. Like, cool. Yeah. So, like, they, yeah, they just do whatever the fuck they want. They're like, yeah, my life's dope. I do dope shit. And <laughs> that's, that's how Daniel Radcliffe uh, picks his roles. And I, I have like so much respect for that. Yeah. No, that shit was good. Like, okay. I wasn't trying to go completely off the rails with that. Uh, but this movie, like... though, how, what rails are there to be on? <laughs> Dashiell, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I don't know. It's like I'm driving a train through the fucking jungle. Um, <laughs> do you? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about like the end of this movie at all, or like? You it's know, my least favorite part. Yeah, to some so extent. it was definitely my least favorite part. Um, it felt a little rushed at the end, and I don't 100 percent remember what happened. I think he just like ran back into the woods at the end. He ran. No, he went back into the ocean. And like swam off, right? No, he doesn't even swim off. I remembered it as he got on Manny and and they started motorboating it out of there. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's... But that's not what happens. Uh, which I think I that's what I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah. No, because he 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 like Danny. Uh, sorry, he farts in front of everyone, which was a thing in the in like their uh, forest times. Manny realizes he's never seen Hank fart. And it's like this trust issue that they <laughs> end oh, up yeah, having. Yeah. Uh, and so it's almost like like Hank has learned his lesson and learned to be himself and not be so afraid. And so he farts in front of everyone. And then Manny starts farting up a storm again. But he just <laughs> kind of pushes, like lets Manny like go out into the water. And it's sort of a, if you love something, let it be free <laughs> uh, kind of oh, moment. Yeah. And then presumably he's still arrested and probably going to a mental hospital because he's not with he's not with Manny. He's yeah. still on the beach. They did definitely do like a reality check at the end of the movie. The end of this movie is sad. I think it's too <laughs> real. There's too much reality for a movie that's ninety percent the opposite of reality. <laughs> Like ninety like, five, yeah, five percent reality. <laughs> it's a fucking buzzkill. That's that. That's the negative I would give this movie. Everything else about it, I loved. I did too. I it just it felt like, and then at the very end, when like, no, Manny is magical, and then he like farts into the farts off into the sunset. I guess <laughs> it's like a way to that. I'm, is that uh, what came out of my mouth just now? Uh, <laughs> um, it's literally what happened. It just felt a little weak. For like a like a no, but he was magic. It yeah, I don't know. I wonder if the directors have like said anything about this movie or like like any kind of statement that they might have been trying to make, or if they were just like, here you go, world, enjoy this weird fucking thing that we made. Well, I can read you the quote that I found on the origins of this movie, so I can give you maybe a, a tiny bit of context. 
Uh, so uh, the one Barely Daniel. Barely stoned enough for this I know, right. I'm sorry. Keep going. Keep smoking. Smoke more. Uh, so uh, this was at an interview. It was like a panel, I think, that they were doing. It might have been for Sundance. Oh, by the way, uh, d- so Dash, you asked me after we watched that movie. You were like, did people walk out of the theater <laughs> while you were in the theater? And I was like, no, because I was in like an art house Portland theater multiple people walked out of the sundance (laughs) premiere oh the sundance premiere screening of this film people were like fuck this (laughs) that's awesome that's like i would expect it to be more accepted there than at like a local like was this is rated r i'm sure i'm sure yeah for the dick play um but like (laughs) i could see i mean if you went there blind, not knowing what it was going to be, I could totally see somebody being like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, I like I had the it had the opposite effect on me because I really wanted to know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but and it, I was the same way. I went in blind. I knew nothing about yeah. this film other than my my partner at the time really wanted to see it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was delighted the whole time. I was enthralled. Yeah, so, and when you told know. me the the one sentence premise of the movie, you know, like Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead body, I'm I'm like I'm in. Mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> like that's it. Right? That's all it takes. Well, so on the origins, um, Daniel Scheinhart said uh, originally it was just a fart joke that Dan made to me, and then just joking along the way about how the man riding a farting corpse could be a feature. I think we stumbled on something personal. It was an opportunity to express mortality and big ideas, but with fart jokes, so we don't feel too self-conscious about it being a full-on drama. To which Quan then said, It was the dumbest idea, mixed with the most personal ideas, and we kind of splashed them together to see what happens. I like that. So it is a bit haphazard. On that, purpose. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, let's take a really deep, deep and dark theme, and then fart jokeify it. But also, like, done really nicely. Oh, yeah, yeah. For, like, wait, when you say that, like, when that sentence I just said out loud, <laughs> like, sounds like it's going to be a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> Part <laughs> jokeify. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that chest bursting boner? <sighs> yeah, give me one second. <laughs> this is the main thing. I want, I want to know how much Castaway cost to Let's make do as it. well. That's yes. the last one. Like, we're just. I don't know why that just popped into my do brain. Do we want to guess? I, I have to know. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I don't. I have no fucking idea. Okay, I will. I will bid first. I'm gonna say twenty million dollars. No, twenty five million dollars. Movie came out in like the mid nineties, right? Yeah, but like effects weren't as cheap back then. I'm gonna say half that. So twelve point five million for Dashiell. Ninety million. Oh my god, that's a lot of money. Why did that movie cost that much money? T- Tom Hanks, one. That ball, two. Holy fuck! We gotta. M- that ball's m- a diva. This is gonna be either a good segment or maybe just a possible periodic episode where, like, if we look this up and it's like Tom Hanks got paid fifty million dollars to do, like, which I doubt. I I actually. I d- I don't think that's how it works. But even if he got paid like five or ten million dollars to make this, like to be in this movie, it was like, holy fuck, all these other movies we watched like costed that much. Again, I'm sorry, I digress. But um, 
we're we're gonna come up with a really good name for that. Yeah, we are. I like doing that. I like I like stuff like that. So where oh, have yeah. I seen It was the the boners, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah where where have we seen genitalia move around like that before? And when when you really think back, you realize that it's very similar to the 2014 promo video for the song Turn Down for What by <laughs> DJ Snake and Lil Jon. And you know who directed that dance-infused body horror masterpiece? Uh. Why, Daniels did! And Quan stars in it, and he's a fantastic fucking dancer. This video is fucking something it's else. The mo- it's so, I love it so much. It's great. And watching this after watching Swiss Army Man was like, oh, it makes so much sense. <laughs> I just love how hard he humps everything. <laughs> I love how he <laughs> melts a cop's face. Uh, I love how he breaks things on his dick. It's just so good. The shit is extra as fuck. Uh. And it, it, like the things that are extra about this are the things that are extra about Swiss Army Man. Totally. And so, and there's a like there's the the boner stuff and um, Big Mama like in the in the next apartment over when she starts dancing, her titties start they're they're like uh, moving around oh, yeah, on yeah. their own. What is that called? Um, uh, I can't think of it. It's like, but yeah, they're like a they're like an elephant's trunk. You know, just moving at their own. They're their, like autonomous. Their own yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Oh God. And oh, like they make such cool music videos. And I was like, really, really glad that they got the opportunity to make a feature film because they're so talented. Yeah. You know, it's, it's different. Like for sure. Like and I for would... this to, for that, for the turn down for what video. Like for that kind of like specific like comedic body horror to then like turn into this, which is actually a really good movie. Like you don't expect that. You would kind of think they would kind of really fall on their faces the first time making a feature film, but they don't. And at the same time, like this movie isn't great, I would say. I mean, I really enjoyed this movie, but I don't think it's like the best movie ever. I don't either. I would rate I it like, that. I, I don't know, I'd rate it like a 6 out of 10 probably. But like, but, but I and, would expect I, from them their first movie to be like a 2 or 3 out of 10. Put it that way. Yeah, I would I would rate it a 6, but I probably enjoyed it on like the level of like 8 or 9. <laughs> Even though like, I just, I just don't think it's the best movie, but it's really enjoyable to watch, which is like kind of a weird feeling that not a lot of movies do really well. I mean, I guess unless you're talking about like B-movies or just watching shit to laugh at it. This is a movie that really balances the like not trying too hard <laughs> to do any particular one thing and just throwing weirdness out there which it does an amazing job at yeah it's also not it's not necessarily just funny because of the like physicality of the comedy there there are like jokes with punchlines and you know the the like uh like off the wall shit that manny will say because he doesn't he doesn't know what's appropriate you know uh like when he's talking when hank is talking about how he can't masturbate because his mom died shortly after he learned how to masturbate and it makes him feel weird. And then Manny was like, 
um whenever i masturbate i'm gonna think about your mom from yeah. now on of like as like an in loving memory that would and have been another good clip for sure i think i might uh, have wrote i think i wrote that down in my notes but that's just yeah. like some grade a fucking weirdness yeah that, like but i like it and it makes sense in like the narrative that he would say something so bonkers and nasty like that because he doesn't know any better and it's funny you know oh like it's like that meme group you know like previously unsaid sentences in human history <laughs> yeah like, that's the vibe i get from that <laughs> there was one more scene that i timestamped for you oh that really? you possibly wanted to talk about we're here live with a man who we know simply as manny hey. a man who stumbled into the backyard doing, of a local eastboro home I'm not manny. and your name my name is Hank Thompson. We're here with Hank Thompson. And that's he saved my life with his amazing body. And he has these powers. And they're the only reason that I'm standing here today. And I will not let okay. them take him away. That that was my favorite part about the end of the movie because I really thought it was just gonna be like No, like I thought he was gonna give up right then and fucking just submit to reality. And then there's that like kind of fleeting hope that something yeah. fantastical is going to happen. I was bummed right before that. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, one. no. Cause, it was like the, was like, like the like, cop showed up and I was like, no, come on, movie. I could I could see and feel the disappointment stink lines coming <laughs> off of you. Uh, and <laughs> I, felt, I was like, I was like, I cannot say anything. I'm like, no, it gets better because I don't like ruining movies for you. And I don't like for anyone. So yeah, I just had to like eat my mouth shut. Like I know, no, I was I like know looking. I was like looking at you. You're like looking at me, like, and yeah. we know what we know what each other are thinking. <laughs> and I'm just like, like, I'm mad at you right now because I'm like, like, don't do this to me. Well, and it's like I said, um, it, I when I first watched this in the theater. I had the same reaction you did where I was like, you are fucking kidding me. You're going to pull me back into reality and tell me that none of it was, re you're really going to do that. Like, Oh, it's all in his head. Like that's, that's lazy and I don't like it. But then they kind of, you know, save it at the last minute, but it's at like the very last minute. I don't know. I don't know. The ending it, just kind of, you know, fucking enjoyable movie. If you haven't watched it, people, just watch Swiss Army Man. It's, if you, you know, are not squeamish, if you do not if, like, if you have made it this far into this <laughs> podcast, I and you haven't seen it, yeah. like you would probably enjoy it because you probably like things that are a little extra. Yeah, I mean, you know, like trigger warning. Um, yeah, there's some there's some dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, boners, Su suicide warning, suicide, yeah, stalking, um, like very heavy talk about like mental healthy stuff and then uh very heavy on the gross out humor in some parts but if you can get past that and or you don't have a lot of issues yeah. with those things oh my god it's not god. that it's, bad it's, it's not fun. super graphic no either, no, so no no it's, it's it's cartoony it addresses those themes but it's never like gory or no. like you know like it's not visually squeamish and he you know he doesn't look like a dead body should look after any amount of time exactly this this movie would not have gotten the positive reviews it did if it was like that 
So I would say I I would ask you what you think is the most extra thing in this film, but goddamn, this whole movie is so extra. If you did have something, let's hear it. It's an exercise in e- extrosity, um, to begin with. But I think the physical corpse comedy, along with the pres the premise of like desolation and loneliness, um, and the extra is th- those two things smushed together like that juxtaposition. Just it's it's so extra to have these these two very disparate things come together in one movie and work together so well totally uh what about you it's really hard to decide it's not just one thing yeah like yeah it's like it is so hard i think that like one of maybe the most extra thing that stuck out to me in my initial watch was like like seeing how he initially becomes the Swiss army man, which is just, you know, whatever his name, Alfonso is uh fucking using Daniel Radcliffe's body as a Swiss army knife. You know, mm-hmm. the first thing he learns he can do is set uh, the body out in the rain overnight and then drink water out of his mouth. But, and like, like making a water fountain, out of Daniel Radcliffe and like I think that y- like yeah the mm-hmm. the Swiss Army Man premise is, is was definitely the most extra thing and that's probably extremely unsurprising yeah but you know there you go it's a very extra movie agreed we watched it and then we've talked about it and now we're done <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to think about this movie for another four years yeah and you just summarize this movie and our podcast in uh in about five seconds <laughs> as always thank you for listening to movie time extra we hope that you found this film and podcast as extra as we did now uh if you enjoyed our show please be sure to rate review comment subscribe follow uh and make sure click buttons. yeah click Furiously. All the buttons it'll be fine you'll get to us uh and then make sure to tell your friends and then if you didn't like us tell your enemies you can email us at movietimeextra at gmail.com keep that in mind your enemies are gonna fucking hate it yeah share it with them too yeah lastly our banging ass theme song is by dj cut man check out dj cut man for all of his video game remixes he wants stuff into your ears. Fuck, man. All right. We'll have more extra for you next time. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.